Hello. Before we start the episode, just want to let you guys know that we love hearing from you every week. We're so glad that you're enjoying the podcast. Alan and I both love doing this so much, and we're going to continue to grow. But we need your help. If you could take a quick five seconds and hop on over to Apple Podcasts and rate the show, that will help us reach a larger audience, and it'll make me and Alan very, very happy. If you have any ideas for who we should have on the show, please send those over to james at statesidemgmt.com. Thanks so much, guys. Welcome back to the Stateside Podcast with your host, James Macmillan and Alan Ashcraft to the left. What's up? Hello. This evening, we have a special guest, probably the most delicious and special of all guests. Get ready. It's me and you, Alan. No guest. All right. Fuck all right. It. Fuck it. Full ego. <laughs> yeah. It's weird when we do no guests because we're sitting next to each other. It'd be better if I was over there. Right. Like human beings. But other podcasters do it this way, too. So yeah, this, fuck this it. will work. Um, how's it going, first of all? Man. You You're know, busy? Uh, I try not to use that word busy. I read something that was just like, when you say that you're busy, it just, like, it comes across so pretentious. And also, in 2019, busy busy can mean uh, poorly organized. <laughs> it definitely you know? can. Oh, I'm just so busy. Oh, yeah, what are you working on? Fucking just existing. Just existing, I know. Uh, and, and also, people at our age, everyone is busy. For sure. Yeah. No, no one has any sympathy for it. Well, yeah, it's like how, uh, I don't know if this was a thing in your school, but like in middle school, high school, did you have just a plethora of students that would self-diagnose insomnia? Yeah. Like it was the cool thing. Like, oh, I'm pretty sure I'm an insomniac. Like yeah. I heard that shit so much and I'm like, there's no, you have a little bit of trouble sleeping. You're not an insomniac. How yeah. long has it been since you slept? Well, I mean, I got like six hours last night. Like, that's you, not insomnia. You are the furthest thing from it. Yeah. That Did you also play PS4 until two in the morning? Right. Are drink. you not trying to actually have a healthy sleep pattern? Yeah. Drink an insane amount of jolt colas. Yeah, and, I know. Yep. Because I was doing that too. I remember mm-hmm. telling my dad that once when I was really young. It's like, God, oh, I just can't ever go to sleep. He's like, well, uh, maybe don't do all the things that you do. I know. <laughs> Drinking beer until 20 seconds before I'm supposed to go to bed. and I just I think about it all the time now when people are like, oh, I'm just so busy. Like I got this thing and then yeah. I got to fly out here and I'm meeting some people, business meeting, and then I got a, I got a conference call I got to do. Yeah. It's just so, it's so silly. Like if you're truly busy, if you're like really out there killing it and shit, you shouldn't have to tell anybody. That's true. They should just fucking, they should, oh yeah, no, I saw that thing you posted. That was cool. Or right. I heard that you're doing so-and-so whatever thing, you know? It should be obvious. Yeah. Um, what were we talking about right before the show? And I was like, oh, that was a good podcast conversation. Uh, oh, was it uh, like where comedy's at nowadays? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we're, this is episode 65 and we're thinking about doing a live show for episode, episode 69 because mm-hmm. um, we're juvenile delinquents. Hell yeah. And it's still funny. We have two live shows planned, 69 and 420. Uh, <laughs> very, very it. far apart. Yeah, years from now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Do you know uh, Mark Marin just celebrated his 1,000th episode? That's fucking nuts. Crazy. It, it's so funny because if it wasn't for Joe Rogan, Mark Marin would be so much more celebrated. Cause I he's, know. Did he not start before Rogan? I think he did, technically. Like, by a few years, I think. Yeah, by it was like Mark Marin, Adam Carolla, and another dude. 
they all kind of started roughly around the same time. It's almost like Mark Maron's that kid in class that said something funny, but Joe mm. Rogan just said it louder. Yeah, yeah. So everybody started laughing harder. Because everyone calls like, Rogan the, the podcast godfather. Yes, exactly. Yeah. But to be fair, yeah, I mean, Mark Maron's podcast is huge. I mean, yes. those numbers are crazy. I mean, he got fucking Barack Obama yeah. on it. I mean, he's had like crazy A-list celebrities yeah. on there. But it, it is a different show, and I think Rogan's is um, more impactful in like the the culture it's built. And it, yeah, it, it's a very good point. And it's not surprising at all that uh, that Rogan's is bigger because, I mean, look how much more it's geared towards millennials. Exactly. Like it is all this fucking the, the just the people that he has on and then the, you know, the use of like video. And mm-hmm. it's it's a big deal. I think that uh, Marin's is, is much more, you know, he's the NPR of of podcasts. Like it's a very yeah. not that he's talking about old dude shit all the time, but it is a very it's a like a subdued version of like your typical podcast. Right. It's just, it's more or less interview based. Yeah. It's the most stripped down. Yep. And in a lot of ways I have a ton of respect for that. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah. I mean, he does that at his goddamn garage. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's making six figures off that podcast in his garage. So crazy. And so many people don't know that they can look I at know. Rogan and assume that and they're correct, but I don't think very many people, I don't think it's common knowledge. And that, also Mark, isn't Marin just audio still? Yeah. Yeah. See, Almost positive thing. Yeah. I mean, Rogan's like everywhere, audio, mostly video, and it's all live. Yep. Um, but anyway, where we were going with that, we were talking about the possibility of um, doing the live show. You know, obviously for now, we're going to do a live episode in studio, not like at a venue or anything, although that is something we want to do. And we were just kind of discussing how, like, how fun that would be. And how a lot of people are doing that anyway, even stand-up comics, like you'd mentioned Hannibal Barris. Yep. Yeah. Sort of has a similar, you know, he's got a screen in the background. And I I kind of think that like it's almost surprising that more podcasters don't do live shows. Right. Um I could understand it being weird and almost like not going over well a few years back. But where we are now, I think it could be really good if you do it right. You know? Well, yeah, really especially fun. especially when it's established. You know, Especially because when established. I think that kind of uh, has to be. Yeah, with comedians, there's always this. You know, you watch their special, and it's just it's a foregone conclusion that they will be coming to your city, mm-hmm. and you can scope them out live. Like it's all it's all good. Yep. But then your favorite podcaster, it's not typical no. that they go and do a show. So then I feel like that is then what makes it. Like you said, we're on the cusp of it. So now is really the time to yeah you explore. strike now while the iron's hot for sure. Yeah, um, I know that. The last podcast on the left, those guys tour all the time. Oh, okay. Yeah, more than I would ever thought. I, I mean, hear if, about that one all the time, and I, yeah. I've never listened. I don't know. You'd love it. You'd love it. I, I mean, it's it's. Have it's to check it out. One of my favorites. They're so fucking funny and goofy. I'm and, pretty much down to, uh, you know, the tip like every now and then Joe Rogan, but it's just Chris D'Elia and then Bill Burr. Really. And then Sword and Scale. If you like Sword and Scale, you. It's like combining the humor of Delia and those morons we love mm-hmm. with Sword and Scale. Jesus. It's like super funny and goofy, but they're talking about murderers and alien abductions and Bigfoot and like crazy X-Files type shit. That's actually a decent segue, or at the very least a, a temporary one. We can kind of come back to what we were talking about, but uh, Sword and Scale, and you, you're going to know how much this fucking kills me. There's a threat from Mike Boudet, who's the... Um, 
He's the narrator, creator of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that it's done. It's not going to be. I saw because I I have it on my thing, and I yeah. saw like a little description saying this is the last episode at least. I mean, I've been running around for six months now saying that Sword and Scale is my favorite thing about my entire life. Dude, and it said it, but for the Patreon yeah. supporters, it'll still be there or something? Uh, yeah, right That's now. That's kind of weird. Well, here's here's essentially what happened. There were a couple other... So, have you heard of the podcast Lore? Yes, I have. So, so the creator of that, uh, his name's... Uh, his or her name, I guess I don't I don't even know if it's a man or a woman, um, is Alex Menke. And I guess that is one of the two individuals that kind of led this crusade to stop sword and scale for whatever reason um i didn't dive too far because i mean dude podcast drama like how (laughs) how whack of a way to spend your time is that yes but um but still i uh i read that that was they were essentially successful and that they got a bunch of uh sponsors to run for the hills and no longer uh be part of the sword and scale thing which shit which has financially impacted mike boudet but at the same time he is I would imagine he's killing it. Could still find sponsorship. Yeah. How much power do these people have? He also here's here's the most important part. Mike Boudet has a pretty large history of being incredibly uh, emotionally immature. Mm. Um, He's he's like the worst kind of troll where like he's Mm. not even a little bit funny. He'll just he'll say triggering things to people just literally to bum everybody out. Yeah. This is the sword and scale dude. Um. So this this last little announcement that he made was on the heels of like losing his last sponsor. So it was a very emotionally driven kind of like it did seem like that. And the description was it didn't seem like for sure, for sure. Yeah. It yeah. said like for now, you know, you would use very general descriptors. It was like the that. equivalent of like when you fight with a girl and then she goes, well, maybe we should just break up. Mm-hmm. She doesn't want to. She's not saying but she just one- wants to shake you to your core. That's all. That's all that was. It sucks though for the audience. Everyone's like, "Hey, man, we didn't do anything to you." And yeah, you know, it's I it's know. insane to expect people to pay for podcasts. As you know, I know people think that people should have to. I mean, that being said, I'm just, I'm about to walk my five dollars a month over to Patreon. Yeah, I mean, I need to. Yeah, you need the show. I fucking love that show so much. Yeah, and you know, I mean, there's a lot of a lot of value in that. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I always think how I should be better about that too. The shows that I love yeah i'm a huge podcast person and you know i i don't really support any of them financially other than that like merch you know things of that nature but um yeah man and almost every one of them has a patreon so there's no excuse for it yeah yeah exactly i think the big like giant giant ones they're fine they don't need my support um but you know the small like uh there's 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 i listen to a lot of podcasts man there's a guy named dean del rey oh yeah He's really fucking cool. He's a stand-up comic that was like a L.A. rocker for most of his time. He actually started stand-up when he was like 45. He and so I actually... really late. I, I spoke with him very briefly. Uh, I did too. On, on Instagram because yeah. he saw that I designed those shoes for At The Drive-In. Yep. And he was like, dude, will you please send me a pair? And I was like, I don't really have access to the stock, but yeah. I tried to get a pair out to him. He's really cool, man. And he, he'll interview such a wide uh, wide range of people you know people ever you know from like josh homie from queens of stone age Mm -hmm. and like actual rock stars you know actors he's close friends with really uh, famous people but then he'll have like the last episode just some guy that he met that owns a watch shop (laughs) jeez because he's a a big like 
vintage guy. He loves vintage jackets and shoes and watches and cars. So he's a big nerd. That's killer, though. Like, he doesn't give a fuck no, about give a fuck. what it's anybody like, else wants. It's, it's kind of like the Rogan thing. It's yeah. either for you or it's not. Yeah. Maybe this this, month, this episode you just, you know, skip, skip right. out on this one. Yeah. But I listen to it. Like, I love vintage watches. So I listen to, you know, the sub information about 1965 Submariner Rolexes and all the different model numbers. You know how fucking boring that is oh. for people that don't give a shit? Exhilarating. Exhilarating. <laughs> I'm just like, oh yeah, taking notes. And like, I love that shit. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, he's got a Patreon that I should definitely support. and People like that could use the help. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but anyway. Yeah, it's a, it's a good time to be a podcaster. I think... There's certainly a lot of them now. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Jesus Christ, it's kind of hard to get your voices heard. Oh, yeah, it's crabs in a bucket, dude. Yeah. But the way I think about it is it's really like a game of chicken. You know, I was talking to Dewey about this. Dewey from the Pure Pleasure Podcast, who we've had on a couple times. He he and I were kind of chatting about just like staying consistent, you know, and it's it's different. You can't compare yourself to any, anyone else. Everyone's path is different, not just in podcasting, but in right. life. And as long as you stay consistent and you keep doing it, eventually you'll get your turn. As mm-hmm. long, assuming it's good and there's quality and you're actually doing a good show, which I, I think we are. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with that with that sentiment. That's, that's so... Um, I think that's huge in so many aspects of life. Yeah. is like not, you know, similar to crabs in a bucket. Like you're not pulling somebody in front of you down it's you know you can you can get your turn and honestly you and i have talked about this before sometimes it's good that you have to work to get to a point where it is your turn because within that time that you waited and even if you were bummed and depressed the whole time that it's not your turn yet and like what am i going to get my shot you are honing a skill that whole time yep and i the, the example i always use is by the time i started working at rise I had been a graphic designer for nearly 11 years. Jesus. So I walked in there feeling like I was the Michael Jordan of anything on a computer. I was just like, I felt bulletproof, which right. was great because that was that was a huge moment for me. And I know that everybody there was looking for me to, to prove myself because the label was then and still is currently very lean. So if you don't serve a massive purpose or have an insane amount of value your value has to be at least one and a half people yeah like if you can do one thing you're you're not going to work at rise everybody Mm -hmm. there wears multiple hats right so they you know the it's tough to it's tough to get in and it's it's even tougher to stay and uh i just had no i had no worry about that because i had been doing i thought that i was just being picked over uh for a decade when really i was just i was marinating and then I get there and I'm just like, yeah, what do you need? Boom, done. Right. You know, and I, I just to this day haven't really been given something that I was like, oh, I don't know if I can do that. Right. Yeah, I know, man. That's that's the day and age we're at now. I think if you rush to get your shot, okay, cool. You get your shot and you've been, you know, maybe you've been designing for two years. Now your stuff's not that good and you just got fired from your dream job. <laughs> right. How rough is that going to be? No shit. Or you can just wait a decade, which is very painful, and then you get it, and there's no fucking way they're letting you go. Yep. Yep. And also, I mean, especially for things like this, I, mean, I guess even for what you're talking about for jobs, but for th- things like a band, a, a pot, especially a podcast, 
I, you kind of want it to be that way. I mean, yeah, I, I would. It'd be great to just take off and be really, you know, successful right away. But your audience is gonna be a better audience. They're gonna stick with you longer. They're gonna know you longer, and they're they're in the end they'll support you longer. Mm-hmm. If it if it takes a while, you know, right? Yeah, because then you're showing your investment. Yep, this you know, isn't that, that true grit. It's hard to accuse somebody of just being in it for the money if they've been doing it for no money for ten years. No shit, you man. know. Then you're like, okay, Jesus, you love this thing. I know. That's why, like, the last podcast on the left, and you know, podcasts like that. You go back and look, man. Those guys. I mean, that has been like ten years. Yeah. You know, I mean, they've been doing it for fucking ever. And they started out doing it for nothing. I mean, nothing. Authenticity, authenticity like is number one, man. Yep. People can, people can smell it on you if it's not there. They, you can just, if you are inauthentic or you have, you have like some some shitty motive. It, it's just, it might grab people initially, but that that flame is gonna, it's gonna extinguish itself real quick. Yeah, and again, you know, we're we're not a podcast that has one topic or like a, you know we're this type of podcast because there are podcasts out there that do that like we're you know we talk about football or we talk about murder cases you know yeah. i mean there's not like a a sub genre that we do and if you do have one of those it is likely to take off faster because mm-hmm. you're part of a, a thing and if you like that thing then you go check out that podcast um but that's not what we do. I mean, we we kind of cut. Yes, it's music centric for sure. I mean, you couldn't argue that. We definitely come from that world, and a lot of our guests are either musicians or producers or whatever. But we're obviously talking about everything. And I think for me, those are my favorite podcasts. It, in at the end of the day, those are the ones I like the most. Yeah. You know, the fighter and the kid, Rogan, whatever. Yeah, I think it would be challenging to have a theme. I know, I'm fucking boring. Yeah. I don't love anything that much. No. No, not at all. Not even music, man. You know, originally I thought that this would be way more music heavy, which is just so funny to me because it already is. Yeah. But, you know, I thought it was really going to be a little bit more serious and just interviewing people on on the creative process and things of that nature. But for me, it's like, I want to do 30 minutes of that now and then move on to fucking fart jokes. Yeah. You know, well, I think, yeah. And with anything, like if you, if you talk certain things into the ground, it's hard to, it's hard to show or, or give the proper spotlight to something that really deserves it. Right. Like maybe we don't talk about music all the time, but there's an album that comes out and we just need to talk about it. Yes. I think that's going to resonate a little more because it's like, okay, they're not just talking about, you know, some album because they have to every episode. Right. Yep. 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 Um, so I have some things written down here. Did you want to tell your story that you were going to oh, tell me yeah. about? Oh, yeah. Dude, so, and I love that you haven't heard this too. Yeah, I haven't that's, heard that's any of this. That's why I haven't told you even off air. Okay. Um. All right. Yeah, so this is just to like preface this. This has got to be top five best story that I have. And it happened Whoa. recently. Because I, I have some go-tos, you know, like if, if I'm at a party or out with some friends or something and and uh yeah, you have some good ones yeah if the vibe is kind of low i'm like all right i got an incredible story <laughs> um so this this happened um it would have to be february 23rd because the that was a saturday and we we had a show on the 24th and uh right that's the day i left for california yep yeah and we we went and uh, we had practice and the idea was you know we practiced at Vinny's house and then uh Vinny and i each have suvs so 
we were going to put guitar shit um, in my rig, and then we were going to put all the drum stuff in, in Vinny's, and then we would meet up at the Paris Theater the following day and, you know, do load-in, blah, blah, blah. Okay. So we have practice, we load up, um, and we, we kind of have this uh, this tradition of after practice we eat edibles and we play Mario Kart. Okay. So we do that. It's a blast, having a good time, and uh, I my edible is catching up with me hard. And for me, like I think it's like this for a lot of people with drugs. Like transitioning is easily the hardest part for me. Like it is, like the idea of leaving someone's house to right. go to my house, and I am fucking barbecued. Like that is that's so difficult. But at the same time, it's what I want to do because I don't want to be somewhere else when I'm getting that high. So I feel it creeping on me. And I'm like, yeah. I got to go. And they're like, okay, cool, man. You know, we'll see you tomorrow. So I take off. And I do I do love to drive uh, when I'm stoned. I don't, I don't, it's not the same as like, it's not the same as alcohol. I've driven on like a beer and a half. And Agreed. It's, it's been too much. I'm just like, well, what the fuck is going on? I definitely have been too high. And I yeah. I should have driven. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Years uh, ago. But I typically, you know, I just feel like, my car is actually a spaceship. I jack the music way up and right. I'm, I'm vibing. You're, you're, you're vibing it. And if anything, I'm typically going like 30 under the speed limit, not <laughs> yeah, over. Totally. So I end up, I get home and I, I backed my car into the driveway because I'm like, you know, it's a safe-ish area. But do you usually do that? No, I don't. And uh, I was like, you know, but if somebody's got their eye on some shit, which how the fuck are they going to know that on this one particular day, there's some gear inside my the tinted windows of my vehicle. Is like, it all of your gear? Is that what you said? This is all guitar gear. So like oh, none of it's okay. none of it's mine, but gotcha. I still want to protect it, obviously. And I think what got me a little bit paranoid was at the height of my my like highness, uh, Chris, our bassist, says, uh, is our stuff gonna be safe at your place? <laughs> Which like just kind of gave you the bad. Yeah. So yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. responded like, oh absolutely. But then afterwards I'm like thinking about it. Right. So then, you know, whatever, I get home, I back in, and then I forget the gears there. I forget about the whole situation, and I'm chilling. I just got some Philips Hue lights, like those neon, uh, like, smart LED bulbs or whatever. Right. I'm listening to fucking Aaron Carter's newest album and, like, jacked up the, uh, I've got, like, purple and pink, and I'm high as shit. I'm just, like, kind of, <laughs> I'm just chilling out, having a great Saturday having night. Having yourself. Just me, me and my dog. Yep. And uh, I was like, oh, you know what, I'm going to eat, and then I got to go to bed. So I go, I'm watching an episode of The Office, I eat, and then I'm like, in my head, all I can hear is Chris going, is our stuff going to be safe, safe, right, safe? Right, right, So I was like, uh, I have a, uh, I have a ring doorbell, and then I have a ring um, camera pointing right at my driveway. Mm. So I'm like, I'm sure everything's fine, but I'm just going to check the ring camera, because why the fuck not? And I, I check it. You do this from your phone. I do this from my phone on the couch. I check it, and... It immediately shows me the driveway and there is no shit a dude with the back of my forerunner open and he's just scoping out oh my the God. gear. I'm assuming based on his body language and shit that he just got there. He just opened it. He's looking sketchy to me and I'm like, oh my Whoa. God. And my, my heart starts beating and I'm still super high at this point. And right. now I have to go confront a bad guy. Oh God. So I, I remember... I looked at Scary, and she's shaking, and she gives gives me this look like this is what we train for. <laughs> Let's fucking roll! Like she's, oh. I felt like she already knew what was up. So I go in my room where I have a baseball bat. I grab the baseball bat. I fucking like three hundred kick open my back door. 
to my house. So you got a baseball bat in your pit bull. And I, yeah. And I just screamed something like, <laughs> so it was something like, let's do this or let's fucking party. <laughs> it was something <laughs> legit psychotic. And I, I go around. So now I'm in my backyard and I open up my back fence. Oh, I wish I could have seen this. Oh I open up God. my back fence and I'm just a fucking maniac. Scary runs out the back. Uh. And I look at my car and the back is shut. The lights are off. <gasps> no one to be found. So what? I'm like, okay, he clearly heard me. Like my war cry of let's party <laughs> fucking worked. And he's running down the street. So I, Scary and I, she's got no collar on. She looks insane. Oh my God. Oh, I'm in my underwear, by the way. Okay. And with a baseball bat. Yep. And like bedhead, you know, just fucking crazy hair. Is it a busy neighborhood? No, no. This is like. So no one would have seen this. No, this is like midnight, 1 a.m. Okay. And uh, I look up and down the street. I see nobody. And I'm like, really? What the fuck is going? Like, how high am I? So I go back in the house and I'm sitting there like. Did look, you check your car first? I did, yeah. Everything's locked. Everything's good. Everything's in there. It's locked. I'm fine, yes. Everything's locked? Yes. So I'm like, what fucking Jordan Peele movie am I in right now? This (gasps) is a nightmare. So then I go inside and I'm like, were my eyes playing tricks on me? I open up Ring. And this is where I tell you guys that Ring recently updated their app to where when you open it, it does not show you a live, this is what's happening right now view. It shows you a most recent activity view. It was me coming home. Oh my God. And looking in the back of my own vehicle at no 7.33 p.m. <laughs> so I'm out in my underwear with a baseball bat chasing ghosts that look like me. And you know what's really fucked up? I remember thinking <laughs> that when I saw this guy on my phone, I was like, that skinny fuck, I could destroy him. <laughs> right, that's I'm that skinny pussy. fuck. Oh my God, dude. So it's, listen. Uh, kids, don't do drugs. Weed, baby. Dude, that is unfucking real man. It's rough, man. It, have you ever been embarrassed Hold. when you're alone? Like, that's a rough fucking way to live. And I had, I had a hard time sleeping. You're like, I was I embarrassed that Scary saw idiot. all that. I was yeah. just like, this is... Oh, uh, she'll never forgive me. It was rough, man. It was Dude, rough. Dude, if you lived with a girlfriend or roommate, they they would never let you live that down. I'd, I would come back in and they'd be packing up their shit to yeah. fucking move out. <laughs> like, you're insane. <laughs> it's rough living, man. Dude, that is fucking hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> so you saw something on your... Oh, I was God, I love that you were already high and you're like, yeah. oh, fuck. I keep hearing this in my head. I'll check. Yep. You see a fucking video of a dude. Your worst nightmare. I just went... Let's go. Yep. I fucking... <laughs> I, cry. Sc- I screamed at nobody. <laughs> Let's party. Ah. That's not God, good. God damn it. I was ready to bash some dude so fucking hard. Dude, you're lucky that like... A neighbor didn't see that because what if they called the cops? I know. I would have called the cops if I saw my neighbor with a pit bull, a baseball bat in his underwear. Yeah. Yelling, let's party. And now I'm stoned and I got to explain that whole thing to a cop. You're like, well, hold on. Here's what happened. Like, yeah. You're just getting the back of the car. We're going to jail. Yeah. You're clearly insane. Yeah. Could you imagine if a neighbor was like, who are you yelling at? And I'm like, it's a long uh, story. Myself. Yeah, it was me. I was yelling at me. I know it doesn't make any sense. Well, I was breaking into my own car. Well, kind of. Technically, mm-hmm. uh, whatever. I was yelling at uh, past Alan for breaking into his own vehicle. Dude, that's fucking great, man. So that happened on that Saturday? Yep. That was uh, February 23rd. Holy shit. Did you tell anyone that night? Uh, not that night, but you better believe the next day <laughs> I told the dudes at the show and they couldn't fucking believe it. Oh my God. So that is good. So fucking funny, man. I don't even know how to transition. From I know. That. That's just I'm still thinking unreal. about it. Yeah, I can't believe that that fucking, fucking happened. Life. That is so good. It's um, crazy. 
So, well, there's that. That's my first thing I had written down. Uh, the other thing, well, it's St. Patty's Day on Sunday, which most people don't give a shit about. I don't really either. It's pretty much just amateur night. Right, right. And assholes. And I bartended for too long to not have a negative thing about it. Yeah, it's just kind of the... It's similar to Cinco de Mayo, where it's yeah, like it's just no one gives a fuck no until the day, fuck. and then it's but Irish for, heritage is so important on right, that one day. The one day, yeah. I do like it now a little bit more that I'm older. Typically, my wife and I will go out with uh, my sister Sarah and her her husband, my brother-in-law Josh, just because we went to Ireland together. It's just kind of a a memory of that trip, sort of thing, and we just keep it chill. We'll go to like Mars Pub. It's a little place out in. I think I'm pronouncing that right. M A H E R. Oh, okay. Out in Lake Oswego. It's it's a really small, adorable little Irish pub. And they keep it chill. They'll have like some Irish kid dancers, you know, little feet. Oh, that's awesome. No hands, just the feet. That shit and some uh, Irish music, and then we'll go home. But uh, yeah, and I'll probably watch a movie leading up to it Angela's Ashes or something terribly sad you know right. sad white people movies yeah absolutely there's yeah, some good ones have you ever seen that one no never even heard of it angela's ashes yeah it was a book it was a, a novel um well, not a not well it sounds like a like a metalcore band it's not a no- <laughs> it really does it's actually based on a guy's life uh peter mccourt pete is that his name some frank mccourt that's okay. the guy's name and he grew up in like turn of the century uh limerick in ireland and was part of a lot of the immigration wave to America. But yeah, he's an author now. So he basically, the stories about him as a little kid with his like seven siblings, the, the most typical Irish story of all time. Yeah. And absolute poverty in like a tiny, tiny, probably smaller than this room, their whole family uh, like picking uh, charcoal off the street to light fires. You know, he worked in the mines when he was like seven. <laughs> God. But uh, it's a crazy, like, Irish Catholic uh, movie. Really, really good, though. And a lot of people are in it. You'd rec- It's it's like a really popular, you know, like, Academy Award winning movie. Yeah. Super good. Check out this segue. Speaking of Irish, uh, did you hear about Conor McGregor? Um, you got that? About theft or something? Yeah, he, I mean, sort of. I don't of. have it in the news. Some some fan just rushed in oh, for a video. Yeah. That's what it was. And he, and he spiked the phone on the ground. Yeah, so he got, like accused of stealing the phone or something? Yeah, it was like yeah. theft and like destruction of property. Oh, and fuck that guy. He was out in like less than 24 hours. I mean the fan. Fuck the fan. Yeah, no, for sure. It's Listen, it's got to be so hard to to be as huge as McGregor and just have people jamming phone, like just entitled pieces of shit, jamming phone. And a lot of people are like, listen, that's the price you pay for for celebrity. And it's like, no, it's sort not. of. Like, <laughs> yeah. you also, you're allowed to have that that space you know yes. i just jesus christ it doesn't matter if i'm the president if you're getting all up in my shit yeah. like it's i'm gonna have to especially a fighter yeah someone who well, it's not like he cracked the dude either that would right. be like hey man you gotta calm the fuck down right he just took your phone and he smashed it and he has a right to protect his life and, and as he was privacy. spiking it he was probably like i can afford this <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, exactly that's fuck the it. beauty of it i was telling somebody at rise I like i wish i had the kind of money where it afforded me the opportunity just to fucking lose my mind every six months. I know. It's like Kanye West fucking up uh, journalists and yeah. you know, smashing their cameras. He doesn't yep. give a fuck. It's like, all right, 150 grand or more. Right. Who cares? Yeah. It's whatever. It's whatever. Um, yeah. That's a crazy one. So yesterday, I was telling you about this hat I'm wearing. 
It's uh, a hat from a local organization called the Portland Diamond Project. And so yesterday I went to their open house. They had <clears throat> so if you've joined, if you've signed their petition and joined the movement or whatever, they invited all the people to come down to their their little shop. And it was super cool, man. Um, so it's because you know about it. But I'll tell people who don't know. It's the organization to bring a major league baseball team to Portland. And so they've been going for about like two years now at the most, I think. Maybe yeah, that sounds last. right. And dude, it's like, it was so cool because they were doing like a marathon on the radio too. So they had uh, the local 1080 sports AM radio station there. And so they're doing like a podcast basically all day with various people from the organization and like local people who are, you know, like Northwest sports figures or whatever. And anyway... You, get, you know, you got to hear them really explain the process and like how, you know, it took a couple years to build all the infrastructure, get the funding, get the people on board, like Russell Wilson from the C- the Seattle Seahawks, him and his wife are financial contributors and also like the kind of the public figures for it. And uh, like, you know, they have like a stadium picked out through the Port of Portland, like they have property ready to go. Yeah. So as soon as we get the team, they're going to go break ground and build a stadium. And like the benefits of having this come to Portland is so immense. I mean, economically, it's going to even help with like the housing crisis because they're going to be pro- providing to- so many like um, homes in that area and jobs at the same right. time. They're going to build an, an extra bridge across the river, um, more roads, and and like ninety percent of it is already privately funded. Wow, <laughs> it's so fucking rad. Jeez, yeah, it's re- it's really interesting to hear like what it goes what goes into it to bring a professional sports team to a city that you know doesn't exist already. Yeah, I can't imagine all the, the moving parts and shit, Ugh. dude. It's nuts, but it's it's really fascinating and it's very positive momentum. <clears throat> and so there, you know, there's two ways it would happen: either they would get an expansion team, which just basically means a, a brand new team. Yeah, so it'd be the Portland whatever is a brand new thing with the farm league supporting it and that would be fun for its own reasons but the other thing is if they just had a existing team move to Portland oh okay um, which is probably more likely to happen right the Oakland A's need a home they're likely going to leave Oakland sounds like although I keep hearing different rumors on that mm-hmm. uh, the Los Angeles Angels which is my family's team my team for the most part them and the Mariners, um, they're looking for a new stadium, so they're probably going to move somewhere. Jeez. Yeah, it's like we're on the very short list to get a team. Vegas is looking for a team. Right. But they don't have what we have. We have Basically, the Portland Diamond Project is trying to make everything done and set up and make it really easy for the commissioner of baseball to just go, all right, fuck it. Just send them a team. They're ready. They, yeah, they have the the ballpark ready. They have that's what it sounds in. like. It sounds like all the ducks are in yeah. a row before like, it's even. It's so cool, man. I don't smart. know for people who don't care about baseball, it's probably not that interesting. But if you are interested in baseball, it's interesting, and it's also just like a civic uh, net positive for for Portland and the state of Oregon. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm not I'm not the the biggest uh, baseball fan, but if it's overall a you know a positive for the city, that's. I could totally see you actually liking baseball more than you would imagine. Yeah. I think my experience is people that don't know that much about it, um, or at least like haven't gone to games with people that do know about it. 
they tend to they have a view on it that maybe could change. Yeah, well, like, a lot of things like that. I know? love uh, I love kickball, and I think baseball got a lot of its rules from from that. So, is that true? Yeah. So there's that. Um, I don't think so. No, no. <laughs> it's like wait, kickball's I think baseball's from like the 1800s. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine so there was like Civil War guys playing kickball? That's my new character, the guy that runs around and thinks that kickball is like an ancient sport. Yeah, and baseball like, just ripped it off. Well, it started in in Europe in yeah. the 1500s, and <laughs> kickball's you know. been around for like five thousand years, dude. Yeah, get with it. But uh, anyone interested, go to the PortlandDiamondProject.com. Go sign the petition. The petition isn't for anything other than just giving the major league baseball more information like there's x amount of people who have signed this petition supporting the movement um, but they don't need the petition it's not like required for anything but um it can't hurt right yeah not at all I'll sign it hell yeah man we actually have a couple of their stickers in the studio and uh we would love to have one of the people in the organization come and talk about it we'll sponsor them or they could sponsor us rather yeah that'd be cool we're down man but yeah, it was really fun, dude. They were super nice. They're giving out free beers and hot dogs and, you know, there's t-shirts and fucking hats. And I mean, it's a whole thing. I keep seeing people with stickers on their cars around Portland. And once you, now you know about it, you'll see it more. What I love right now <laughs> is that in the guest chair in the studio is a backpack and the, the microphone is almost up to the backpack. <laughs> like, like the backpack is our guest. Like, what do you think backpack? Do you yeah. like baseball? What are you thinking about eh, that? It's a little boring, but yeah, I like it. Damn. Yeah, dude. Uh, so did you watch the Lorraine? Dude, I did. I forgot that I did. Okay, cool. Yeah. Because I watched Leaving Neverland, so. Oh, nice. I did my homework. Fucked up. Yeah. Uh, Both are fucked. I don't know where to begin. Let's start with Lorraine. God. Since you just watched it. Yeah, out of the... Um, you watched all of it. I did. Okay. Yeah. Well, did I? Yeah, no, I did. Um, it was harder for me to follow than... Like the R. Kelly one, I feel like I grabbed all that. Like right. comprehension level 100. Leaving Neverland, same thing. The Lorena Bobbitt stuff. I wonder stuff, if, are you a little too young, maybe? Uh, definitely a little of that. you're three years younger than me, right? Yeah, yeah. I remember it being a thing that was talked about a lot, but I didn't know. Yeah. It's the same thing as like the Joey Buttafuoco shit. The Amy Fisher, Joey Buttafuoco. Like, I, I know those names. I vaguely know what happened, but... In terms, I don't of, know anything about that. Yeah, that's. I think it was. Uh, Joey was with from Backstreet Boys. Joey? No, or, no. Is I don't see. I don't even know what he did. He was just some like uh, East Coast goon guy. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, he was married to a woman and then ends up getting with this other woman, Amy Fisher. I could be slaughtering this. I have no idea. And then I think it was maybe it was Amy Fisher that Joey talked into going to his wife and killing her. Oh, he ends up shooting her in the face and she yeah. lives. Um, okay, that sounds familiar. I think. And then at some point, uh, Joey and Amy made a porno together. Gotcha. So basically just like a vague story. Yeah. Um, but anyway, the Lorena Baba shit is the exact same. Right. Uh, kind of, I, I, I knew almost the exact same amount. But yeah, it was it was interesting. Um, you know, I, I watched it on in, International Women's Day. I felt like that was appropriate. And I didn't know that, because I kept hearing that the the arc like the the story arc that made this so important was just the sort of the unveiling of yeah kind of the uncommon news that he was very he abusive was and, shit. dude yeah. that's that was my thing not to interrupt you but that was my whole arc too yeah because i went into it same similar for you i remember it when i was a kid i remember it happening i remember late night 
you know, Jay, the Jay Leno's of the world mm-hmm. making fun of it. And it was really just like a punchline for the time. This fucking oh, yeah. guy got his dick chopped off. It was more like a funny thing. And I even remember thinking as a kid, and even the second I sat down to watch it, that it was more on the side that she was crazy. Yeah, right, right, and right. And you kind of felt bad for this guy. Like, yeah. it doesn't matter what this fucking guy did. You don't chop a guy's dick off. Well, yeah. And was, technically, that's still true. But yeah, it, it was always funny to me how like, because, uh, you know, they show that clip. I think it's one of the craziest clips in the whole documentary of her on the Steve Harvey show. And he's just oh, like, yeah, he's just making a fucking bit I out know. of the fact that Even she like disfigured this man's genitals. Right. And he's like, listen, you cut it off and all that. But and she's like, just kind of sweet. And she's an immigrant. She's yeah. kind of like nodding along. Yeah, and, exactly. She's just doing her time. You know? I know. Um, but it's like, <sighs> I thought Jordan Peele did a really good job. He of did. Setting it up because the first episode, he makes you on his side. Yeah. Did you feel that way too? A little, a little bit? A little bit, a little bit. You're like, yeah, he's kind of a scumbag, yeah. and I'm sure there's something that happened. Listen, I've known a lot of women, some crazier than others, but, and, I, and I've had some do some insane shit. Yep. But to cut off my penis. My God. Even, even I would have to, oh. once the pain's down and all that shit, I would have to go, all right, what did I, I must have done something. Yo, what did I fucking do? Because that's a level of, I don't give a fuck mm-hmm. that that came from somewhere. Right. So she, she had to have endured some shit. I'm not, I'm not saying it isn't possible that she's, uh, that she's not just fucking crazy. And it was incredibly unwarranted. Sure. And sure. I have known women that if you, if you say the, the most minuscule thing that, you know, they, you off, they yeah. can blow the fuck up for sure. But well, but with this one, there was a lot of like uh, personal stories and yeah. facts going behind the fact that the, all that stuff did happen to her. Mm-hmm. So it was pretty. And you you can just tell when people are lying or not. It was so like the sobbing, telling the story. It seemed pretty legit. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then all the history of him being arrested numerous times after that. Well, for beating and raping women. Yep. It was yep. like all the same story. And like, even the way that like it, it just seemed too likely. If you if you follow somebody's like lineage, like their steps after, you know, they're like proclaiming their innocence, watch what they do afterwards. And I mean, this guy is like I know getting involved with like he's porn trying to yeah, be involved in porn the and money like, ranch. Yeah, he's just running around doing <clears throat> the Deuce kind of shit. shit that yeah, that somebody that would uh like physically assault a wife and yeah. you know. Yeah, it was fucking brutal because, I, I mean, I watched it with my wife, Ashley, and the first episode, I'm more or less defending him more than anything. Mm-hmm. Not exclusively, but I'm I'm under the impression that it doesn't matter what you what he did, he was a scumbag. Because at one point they say, like, she, the media kept saying this in the 90s, that she was upset that he wouldn't return the favor in sex, and so she would go without having an orgasm. Oh, right. They kept saying that over and over and over. Well, listen, if that's an offense worth getting your dick cut off, you know how many dickless dudes there are going to be? <laughs> Everyone. Yeah. 99.9% of men. But, um, yeah, so, like, I was just kind of on that that rant. And then I, I remember just midway through the series just going, like, okay, fuck him. Yeah. yeah, 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 He's for real. He's fucking anally raping this girl over yeah. and over. And it, it's complicated shit, man. She was a fucking immigrant. She's tiny. Uh, and then they explain because everyone always asks the same thing with victims. It's the same thing over and over. Like, why don't they leave? Why don't they do something? Mm-hmm. And it's it's more complicated than that. Like she she was very Catholic, very religious. She where's she from? It's like 
Peru or Guatemala or something. That sounds like that. right, uh, yeah. Latin America or um middle I don't know. Somewhere around there. Central. Yeah, Central America. Middle. Well, I'm a fucking idiot. Central America. And yeah, just like the whole you know, it's very it's embarrassing. Yeah, yeah. You know, she told her whole family, like, yeah, I met this Marine. He was a soldier in America and he's the love of my life. It's it's embarrassing. Well, not to mention like I you know, and he fucking said he would kill her. Right. And when, when things get really violent, I think a lot of people are like, well, he hit you. So you turn around, you face the door and you walk out. But they're not thinking about there's a lot of gaslighting happening. Yep. There's a lot of like verbal manipulation, yep. emotional manipulation. Tons. Tons. It's That's a huge part of people that are physically abusive. They are more often than not also emotionally abusive and that's oh, like course. the r kelly shit he's not just raping women he's also telling him like i'm the only one that's here for you and it's it's a it's a package deal like now, you're just full psychopath sometimes the most the best example of that is uh michael jackson so mm-hmm. we can just go ahead and transition into, into that yeah leaving neverland my god i mean yeah. that was like the definition of grooming yeah because it's not just grooming his victims he was grooming the family the parents the friends I mean, families would move across the world to come live with Michael Jackson, mm-hmm. and he'd promise them everything. Yeah, and uh, and it's not like it's just some guy grooming. I mean, it's different if you know someone's uncle is molesting the niece or something. That's yeah. fucked up. That's so evil and fucked. But it's a different degree of power. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure this person looks up to their uncle, and to them, they mean a lot to them. But this is Michael fucking Jackson. Yeah. Arguably the most famous person to ever walk the earth. Oh, yeah. Loved by the world. Loved. Beloved by the world, man. And especially then. Oh, yeah. He was a walking god. And, (laughs) God, what a fucked up documentary that was. I was blown away just at how how much time he had to be such a prolific, a prolific pedophile. Yeah. Like that, that blew my mind. Because I'm like, you have world tours and like sold out dates left and right and then weeks in the studio and then all of this media and commercials and how do you have all this time to like tell little boys to play with your nipples and shit yeah so I mean, weird I, it's it just proves that he has more time than you'd think yeah because yeah, there's exactly. a lot of in between you know because guys like that i mean he definitely toured a lot and he played you know live a lot but it's not the same as like a rock band you know deftones or some you know, old school rock band. They have to hit the road a lot and have to grind it out. He goes and plays in front of, you know, a hundred thousand people and does a couple of weeks and yeah. then goes home. Yeah, yeah, true. You know, and, and just sits there and collects money from Thriller. <laughs> that guy is just so obscenely rich. It, I think the, one of the grossest things about the documentary yeah. are all the people that are, you know, that were his aides. Like they they were helping him around. Mm-hmm. Like uh, I know one of his uh, one of his primary maids like his head maid his head like house cleaner whatever she took care of the property mm-hmm. uh at neverland she she's coming out now and she's trying to get her piece of the the money pie yeah and it's like how are you not culpable like she actually admits to i know like covering for michael jackson and getting paid an extra 300 bucks right because she saw some sketchy shit and didn't say anything and it's just nuts to me that people can be not only that dumb to come out and, and talk about it but then uh, expect and sometimes receive some sort of reward for doing so. And the parents. I mean, yeah, how ugh. how the fuck? That's tough. Do you let your seven-year-old child sleep in the bed with some guy? That that parental naivete was almost on par with uh, 
uh, fucking what's that documentary we're blown away by uh, Netflix um, 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 abduction something oh uh, abducted in plain sight yes that one like, yeah totally that those parents very were, similar yeah yeah were naive to a point that was like I legitimately couldn't believe it mm-hmm. um, but the, they were groomed yes exactly well Both I mean they were next level because it's like right. like literally fucking him like actually helping him jacking the dude off yeah. the car and like oh my god but for anybody that hasn't seen Abducted in Plain Sight, uh, go watch that. Amazing. Yeah, I would say so crazy. The most emotional I've ever gotten over a documentary was Abducted in Plain Sight, and then a tie would be um, Dear Zachary. Dear Zachary's fucking. Dear Zachary is like one. I'm good. Never need to see that again. No, it's one of the saddest, it's the fucking, saddest things fucking things I've, thing I've ever. ever seen. Really good though. Definitely worth watching the first time. It's it's fantastic. It's really well, which I know it needs to be well put together in order to be. Because could you imagine if it was that sad? Plus, it was like I know shitty, uh, shitty. That would be a torturous documentary to get through. Um, yeah, I just thought. I mean, it's amazing, and and it's not to say that there aren't questions. You know, Michael Jackson. I, I fucking adore his music. This is tough for me, bro. Mm-hmm. Like I love his shit. See, I got lucky because like I don't. You don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck. Yeah, dude. for me, it's like which is so funny to me. I thought he was Prince for like the last twenty years. I you does, yeah. You're like super like this is my time of music, and I only like yeah that time right. But where I get affected is I am a fucking nut job for the weekend. And the weekend is, I mean, if you listen to one song and you know that his biggest influence was Michael Jackson. But would you like the weekend if it was from the 80s? I mean, like, do you listen to anything before like 95? Uh, I mean, one of my favorite albums of all time, uh, Master of Puppets, came out the year I was born. Oh, okay. Um, so, I, yeah, mostly. But it's more rock. Yeah, I'm old. trying to think if I listen to. Uh, yeah, I didn't have any Michael Jackson that really fucking, um, you know, grabbed me by the balls. That's so weird. But that's so interesting. It's like um, huge for for me. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, I get it, and like, yeah, everyone's different how they process music. I, he, for me, he was he's just like one of the best ever of, of all time. I mm-hmm. mean, top three, like just amazing. Yeah, you, know? you can't you can't take away what what he accomplished you know musically um you know it's it's tough i i have no issue with like the division of Mm. um people and what people do you know like he's yeah i don't either actually and by the way i think we're in the minority on that oh for sure my my wife is kind of annoyed and frustrated with me like right now about that she said something the other day like Ah, you know, it's so weird. We watched that documentary. As soon as I get in my fucking car, uh, Michael Jackson's Bad comes on. And I just go, I'm like, fuck yeah, dude. I love that shit. And she's like, hello. I was like, oh, oh, that's right. The documentary. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was like, I still love his music. She's like, never mind. Yeah. But that's the thing. I'm like, what? I don't fucking It's not like you're listening to it and go, like, kid butts. Kid butts. Kid butts. Kid butts. Yeah. Like, it's, no, it's a fucking song that. It's getting your brain going. You're into it. You wouldn't, you know, I don't know. I get the argument that if you support the music, you're supporting the estate yeah. financially of, of a dude who did that. But like, yeah, 
it's it's tough i, I know, know i know but the tough morality thing is such a bitch because it's like thing. what do you it, it's all it's so subjective and it's all just a fucking competition of who is more moral than the other person look motherfuckers he died 10 years ago yeah and it was happening 15 years ago before that yeah. more than that 20 years 25 years mm-hmm. what i mean how is it all of a sudden the whole planet is expected to do a 180 because yeah. one guy made a documentary Dude, here's a fun piece of shinfo. Uh, Wade, the um, Australian victim, who's like a choreographer, yep, yep. he's the one that broke up uh, Britney Spears and Justin Timberlake. Why? He's he's they ended up. They, he, oh, they ended up. Yeah, he dating? was he was doing choreography for uh, Britney Spears. Yeah, they ended up dating briefly. Yeah, and she broke up with Justin Timberlake for him. And that's what the song uh, by Justin Timberlake, "Cry Me a River." Oh shit, that shit's about Wade. Wow. How come the documentary didn't talk about that, dude? Yeah, dude. You know? I mean, look, you know, even uh, my wife and I were, were like, of those two guys, the two people claiming this happened to them, the the one that seems fishier to me is Wade. Just by just by the way he talks and just mm, the, the vibe. Right. Not, I'm not saying it's, it's lie, a lie or whatever, but I don't know. The other guy seemed more just like... This is a bummer. This is what happened to me. Well, and well, yeah, the other guy too. And listen, everybody experiences trauma differently. And I understand that before I say this, like stupid yeah. shit I'm about to say. But uh, the other dude, notice how we're calling him the other dude too, because dude. Wade actually stuck out to us. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. think his name was James, but he. Uh, uh, yeah. Sh- 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 he, oh, yeah. Shattuck or something like that. It's a goofy ass last name. Uh, he like sort of went away like he wanted to isolate a little bit. Mm-hmm. And Wade like almost used it to like get his career going a bit. Because when I saw that he was doing all right and then he talks about being molested by Michael Jackson, I was like, dude, then your career probably fell apart. And then it shows him like working with Backstreet Boys and Sync, And I'm like, no, dude, your career is fucking flourishing. Yeah. I can't speak to whether or not that's because of. You know him being molested by Michael Jackson. It's not like safe he got Chuck. Safe, Jimmy Safe Chuck. Safe Chuck. That's right. There it is. Yeah, I'm not saying that Wade got like uh, like some magic dust on him from from those encounters, and then it like you know helped him fly yeah. through his career. But yeah, there didn't I, hurt. I, I feel sure. what you're. I feel what you're saying, dude. The weirdest thing was that Michael Jackson kept hitting up Wade and being like, "What's Britney Spears like?" Yeah. And like had this like mild obsession with her and like wanted to like meet her. For yeah. for all we know, that was just. An excuse to get closer to Wade too. But, oh, uh, here's a here's kind of something that was like an overwhelming, like epiphany for me when I was watching it, because look, I, I'm a very skeptical person, and uh, people get mad at me when I say stuff like this. But victim blaming and victim shaming is horrible. Yeah, let's just put that out there. But the whole like believe everyone, and we've talked about this before. Yeah, it's, that, that's it's not cool. It, it's horseshit. It doesn't even make any sense if you're a logical person. Yeah, I mean that's that just makes sense. I mean if that's if that's legit, then Donald Trump raped me and I want a million dollars. Exactly. Me. I mean you, you have to believe me. you have to believe me. Yeah, it's it's nonsense, obviously. But and and an equal evil is faking something like that, like the Jesse Small, uh, Jesse Smollett. Smollett. Yeah. Jesse. That's I mean that is morally evil. Yeah. To, because you're ruining someone's life. You're you're straight up ruining someone's life. And Jesse's one of the first fucking like oh, boys who cried wolf that's actually 
getting some sort of penance. Right. Yeah, like, he will go. He will likely go to prison for this now. Yeah, and I hope that that becomes a standard. Me too. It's it's a huge lesson for people. So anyway, you know, I I go into these things as open as I possibly can, and I and I ask questions and I'm challenging things when it comes up. But then something starts occurring to me, and this is the truth. This, you can't argue this. Whether or not let's just let's just for the sake of argument taking the rape accusations and the sexual abuse that he did to these kids and other kids and let's just put that away and lock it up in a in a shelf or right. a cupboard but lock it throw away the key that's off the table now now what is left what is left and you can't deny this is that Michael Jackson still fucking hung out with little children way too often yes and slept in the same bed with little kids that weren't his own that is a fact that is provable evidence every you know you look through the the 30 years of his career longer than that and everywhere he goes he's got a little boy next to him why did the whole world just go like hey uh, hey, hey why, why why the seven-year-old yeah what are you doing with this kid what are you doing holding hands with an eight-year-old boy that's not yours Dude, he liked little boy butts so much that he got like his own fucking sidekick monkey. He got a cotton candy maker. He got a fucking roller coaster. Dude. I mean, I don't like anything enough to fucking and it's, get I think my it's own even roller sadder. coaster. I, I actually think it's sadder than that. I don't think that he was enticing. I mean, he was subconsciously. I think it was like a sickness. He was creating his fantasy that's, world. That's it. I yeah. think he is a kid. And, yeah. and he's like, it's like taking a little kid that never grew up because he was just savagely abused as a kid himself mm -hmm. sexually physically mentally just his dad was a piece of dog shit he clearly had like heavy dysmorphia heavy dysmorphia body dysmorphia the yeah. guy was a fucking wreck yeah yeah and so you have this like mental capacity of a child yeah but then the hormones of a grown man well that's the issue i had though is that i remember because i thought about this exact dangerous thing, when he kept saying no, I would never hurt a child. Right. I could he probably never hurt a child. thought that. However, he would also tell these children, I mean, of course, this is according to the victims. According to the victims. According to the victims, he would say things like, if you tell your mommy and daddy, we will both go to prison. Yeah. So that preemptive shit, he's, he's grooming he the child. He knew that like, at least. He knew what he was doing was wrong. But yeah, it, I guess it's possible that in his heart, he was like... I'm not doing anything to hurt these but children. He would also say things like, "We'll we'll get in trouble," but they it's because they don't understand. Right, they right, don't right. Understand our love. He would cap it off with things like that. And either he's truly sick and truly believes that, or he knows that that's bullshit, and then it has kind of like a more evil kind of tinge to it. Right. Either way, it's either a, way, it's a sad fucking thing. I and know. then no one wins. In and those then situations. the onus falls on the parents who shit yes. the fucking bed. Oh my. God. God, like, hey, can can little Wade sleep with me tonight? Nope. And the mom is like, like, you should say no before that fucker finishes the sentence. Yeah, no and bye. Hey, do you think for just one night Wade could? No, no, thank you. Nope. Not happening. And the problem is that, you know, both of those moms, both of the, the sets of parents, both adored Michael Jackson. Right. And he groomed them as well. Mm -hmm. You know, and he made he had them come over and sleep at his house. Yeah. So they were all part of it. They all love this guy. I mean, one of the moms says that she thought of him as her, her other son. I remember that, yeah. And so if your son, if someone you oh, love, God, says, hey, you know, we're going to have a little slumber party, it's different. You're like, well, okay. Yeah. And it's just family. 
It is a little weird, but it's just family. It for sure. It wasn't Fuck. the most shocking documentary I ever saw. However, it was the one that I felt the most compelled to shower after watching. <laughs> yeah. I felt so fucking, I felt disgusted by everybody. Everybody on the fucking Everybody. TV. I'm just like, ugh, ugh, you ugh. are all a mess. Some of them are a mess because they've been victimized and others are perpetrators, mm. but everyone's a fucking mess. And it's really interesting how, did you watch the Oprah interview that she did with the two guys, the director, and then everyone in the audience? I were, didn't. What, like sexual abuse victims. It was actually really interesting. It's it's up on YouTube now. And I'll it's check also that out. on HBO like right next to the oh, okay. documentary. Yeah. Um, and whatever, Oprah is what it is. But it was actually really well done because she was really badly abused when she was a kid too by like three family members. Mm -hmm. She got it pretty bad. Um, but it, it was really like revealing and shined a lot of light on typical typical things that happen to people that are abused. It's There's a pattern and I learned a lot from it. You know, it's pretty nuts. Like the... The questions a lot of people have are like, well, why didn't they say anything? And then why did they even defend him? Like t both of those guys went and defended Michael Jackson. Yeah. Yeah. Which true. is crazy to even imagine. But I know, you know, they <laughs> you can go your in, in well into your adulthood and not process that abuse as your childhood in your childhood because you don't see it like that. It's a different it's removed. Mm -hmm. It's. It's also not bad when you're a kid. That's that's also hard for people to understand that it's not necessarily painful. It's not necessarily misery for these kids. Well, and similar to the John Wayne Bobbitt shit, um, Michael Jackson was Michael Jackson was not just touching these kids and then taking off. He was spending copious amounts of time, oh my God, grooming them and taking them around the world, emotionally manipulating yes. them. And yeah. dude, that fake wedding, maybe wedding the sickest thing. shit in the whole fucking documentary is one of the kids talking about how they would walk around in public holding hands. Yeah. And if they if they each scratched each other's like palm, the inside while they're holding hands so no one can see it. Uh, uh, that was a secret signal for I'm thinking sexual bleh, thoughts. Vomit. Dude. Ugh. That is like if that isn't grooming, I don't know what the fuck is. I know. You are getting the kid to not just behind closed doors kind of fucking grimace and take some shit that he doesn't like because you're Michael Jackson. He's actually like volunteering that he's getting those urges yeah. or, or receiving yeah. your urges and reciprocating in fucking public with their mother and father six feet behind them as That's you guys walk so through Disneyland crazy. or whatever. And they're so young that like this is both of their those people. It's both of their um, the sexual. That's their first time with sex. So it's, you know what I mean? That's how they establish. I just, I got to quit watching this shit because it is going to turn me into a nut job. Father. I know. I know. I'm going to be fucking crazy. I know. It's, it's nuts. It, it does. It shows too a lot has changed with how we think about this stuff. Yeah. You know, like Brian Callen was telling a story the other day about how he was molested when he was like 15 or something like a summer camp thing. And they were laughing their fucking asses off. And Brandon was like, this is my favorite story. And he's like excited to hear it again. And they're like roasting him for it. Whose story was this? Uh, Brian Callen. Oh, yeah, yeah. But he he says something about how, the, you know, the parents, his parents and the kid that he was with another friend, both of their parents find out about it. And they like 
you know, confront the guy that did it. And all the only thing that happened to this guy was that he got reassigned to a different camp. Yep. <laughs> like he didn't go to jail or anything. Dude. And he said, yeah, my parents didn't really care all that much. My dad was actually more mad at me. Yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, well, next time, punch him in the dick. Right, you know? yep. And Brendan Schaub just kept like, like pulling his hair out. He's like, what the fuck? Like, why don't, why didn't your parents do something this or do that? And he's like, dude, it was a different time. Yeah. And, and Brendan was just doing what he does. He's like, what are you talking about? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I, I would do this with my kid. I would do that. And he's like, Brandon, I hear you. I'm 51. You're 35. <laughs> we come from two different planets. Yes. Yeah, yeah. In the 70s, this wasn't a thing. It was, but it was just wasn't processed the same way. It, we didn't know about that. Well, and the whole thing helps me realize just how, because we, we all go through life thinking everyone had the same life we did. Right. Like I know. And, and I had an incredibly protective mother to the point where when I was like five, six, I was going to uh, like this daycare, like preschool situation yeah. thing. Like yeah. it's just before kindergarten. Um, and I was fucking insane. Like I would just, I would bounce off the walls. I had insane energy Yeah. and the teachers didn't know what to do with me. So there were multiple times they actually tied my hands together. Oh my God. And my mom didn't know. I didn't know that that was a thing it couldn't happen so i never even thought to tell my mom so i'm like i'm running around and my mom yells at me while i'm in the house one day and i walk up to her and i put my wrists together kind of like all right tie me up oh my god that's what and she goes what the fuck are you doing what are you doing kid and i was like well like teacher just ties my shit my mom had this look in her eyes like oh my god i'm about to do 20 to 25 in prison Because oh, I am going to go to this school. God. How old were you when you told her? Uh, this was like five years old, I would say. Jesus. And all I remember is she didn't take me with her, obviously, but she went to the school and she came back. And I felt like when I I went, because I was like, I'm probably never going to go to that school again. Right. I, I went the following Monday and I was fucking king of Vancouver, Washington. Like they treated me so amazing because they knew what kind of mother I had. They knew that she was going to come crack skulls. If anything went down again, so they didn't fuck with you. Yeah. And so I see these moms Dude. that are like, yeah, Michael Jackson just wanted my kid for a year. So I was like, yeah, that should probably be fine. I think about what my mom would say. I know. I mean, she would, she'd go full fucking mankind and uh, undertaker from fucking hell in the cell or whatever. Just pile driver from the top of a cage. Like you did for your, for yourself. Yeah, exactly. Shit out of your car. When evil Alan was trying to steal from me. Well, yeah, I think about that too. I mean, I had such a great childhood so protected and, and my parents didn't fuck around either mm-hmm. but also i was really lucky that i i came from such a large family right that there wasn't really a lot of like babysitters i i don't remember really any fucking babysitters not really mm-hmm. i'm sure my older sister or parents can correct me but i don't remember any of that i remember just you know like my aunts and my grandma and just people in my family yeah so we were always around people that you know my parents trusted yeah that was the other thing is it was just yeah, family was such a big thing that if uh, there was always enough people in mind to like, right. you could rely on each other. Yep. The thing is, though, like you look at it years later, and and most uh, most perpetrators like know the victim, so yes. it is it is typically family. That was the thing in the the Oprah interview. Yeah, it's like it's overwhelming. It's like almost a hundred percent. Right, right. It's pretty rare. I know, dude. It's so crazy. I like the older yeah. I get, the more I realize how lucky I am that I, know. I didn't go through something like that because it seems like everybody did. So many people. <laughs> like just an overwhelming amount of people. The, I think the stat for men is one in 
five men will be molested. Wow. Or, you know, boys up until now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't think I had... I didn't even, like, have close calls, to be honest. I definitely had... There were, like, people within my life that I would get a weird vibe from um, Mm -hmm. where I'm like, oh, you for sure are, like, you're a bad guy for sure. Um, But I was always really smart about, like, staying away. We had outdoor school in sixth grade, and one of the counselors was real sketchy. I could just fucking smell it on him. And so I just... Wherever he was, I was on the opposite side of of the property, like as often as possible but uh unreal yeah very lucky unreal stuff um so those are those two. Oh, so this got me thinking i watched a documentary last night and it got me thinking about not really a, a segment we can do but just sort of a topic that we can discuss on the show uh so i watched a thing what was it called so it's called low desert mm-hmm. and it's a documentary about the california desert music scene desert rock like Queens of Stone Age dudes, oh, okay. Eagles of Death Metal, Fu Manchu, Caius, that whole stoner desert rock. Yeah. Um, and they're all bands that had played with each other and have been in different bands with each other, just like any scene. Right. But it's so unique and has its own very sludgy, down-tuned sound. Um, I don't know if you know who Caius is, but it's the same kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Almost like the Melvins, but even harder. I mean, obviously, you know what Queens Stone Age is. But yeah, anyway, uh, I like I like a lot of those bands, especially Queens, Eagles of Death Metal. And it was just so fascinating because it's a because I lived in La Quinta, California, which is in Coachella Valley out in the desert. Oh, OK. And it's uh, I don't really know how far from L.A., maybe five, six hours, maybe more even. So it's it's still California, Southern California, but it's so far east that mm-hmm. you are in the fucking desert mm-hmm. where it's 100 degrees every day. There's just open space of fucking desert with road runners, these like weird bighorn sheep up in the mountains. Oh, that's it's the sick. craziest place to grow up ever. And it's, you know, like full of really rich like retirees, a lot of golf, fucking old people, tennis, tennis and golf. Dude. And that's like it. Yeah. Rolls Royce, Lexus, and then this whole subculture of these little punk rock shit kids. They're just seething around the desert playing in bands. And this started in like the late 80s, early 90s. And, the, you know, they were ch- there's nowhere to play. There's no venues. So they're basically like redneck kids that played in punk bands that would, you know, they they'd start out where they do what we all do. They play in people's garages or whatever, house parties, and it would get shut down instantly yep. by the police because they fucking hated these rocker kids. Because, again, it was all like, uh, this Frank Sinatra vibe, actually Frank Sinatra and the Rat Pack, that they that they like settled that area oh, okay. in the 30s and 40s, and it was like real swingy dingy, like bourbon sipping that kind of vibe. And so this other shit was just nonsense and noise. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. And I remember that vibe, man. It was like that. That's where my grandparents lived, and then we went and moved there too because my dad got work out there. But there was nothing for kids to do there, nothing at all. Yeah. And so these, anyway, these bands would, would try the best they could to play these shows and they just kept getting shut down. So they started to play what are called generator parties out in the fucking middle of nowhere in the oh, desert. Dude, that's badass. They'd set these generators up and they'd have like, uh, just ditches in the, uh, the, the, the desert, just holes that they'd fill with concrete so people could skateboard. Dude. And it was like two hours out in the desert and they would just, you know, like. A ton of fucking people. You can look it up. There's videos of 
Queens of the Stone Age playing I'm 91. Fucking, I'm filled with jealousy right now. So, I know. It was like, that is the coolest scene ever. Pretty, like, degenerate shit. Yeah. Like, hard drugs and fucking cra- shooting guns out there. Just complete American freedom. Um, anyway, really fascinating. Highly recommend it. But it also got me thinking of, like, that sound that they have is because of the place they grew up the place that they come from Mm -hmm. and these scenes are reflections of the environment. I mean, the reason it sounds like that is because they're from this place. Yeah. Like, you know, Queens has a very like, I mean, it is kind of twangy, almost like country desert. Yeah. Yeah. But it's also expansive and like lone wolf, just like the desert has. Right. But it also has like a bit of like crooner, like, you know, he slicks his hair back and it's like cool guy rock. Yeah, that's interesting. Because of the Sinatra vibe. So like, what was the, for you, in your opinion, what was the Hillsborough sound then? Like, so the Hill, I mean, it's it's all the same. You know, it just got me thinking of all the scenes. Hillsborough's like, you know, we're not from Oregon. Right. I, we never said it growing up. We're not from Portland. Yeah. I don't even know what Portland was. Yeah. You're from Hillsborough. It's just the west side till you die. <laughs> right, right. Hillsborough is just a reflection of like every suburb in America. But wetter and darker. Yeah. And it also had like essays. You know, it was kind of a really prominent Mexican culture out there. Right. Yeah. So that a is lot true. Of, like white skater kids butting heads with Mexican essay kids. Yeah. Cause I always, I've always had this fucking issue that you're kind of like, you're helping me realize right now that I am terrible about like doing exactly what you're doing right now, where you're taking an environment and then like building this like, uh, identity mm-hmm. around it. I've always felt like, m- like ha- m- the way that I grew up, I wasn't in an area. I was in Brush Prairie, Washington, right? Which you know, it, I think it's like 500 people in that city. It's oh, a mile long. Yeah. It's nothing. Yeah. Um. But I always, fi- I always felt like that was there was no identity to draw from that. I see. Like the the desert so and shit like that. Right. Like that has driving two hours. Oh yeah, to, yeah. yeah. Like, it's this weird thing where I feel like I need to have had more of a plight growing up than I did. Gotcha, And gotcha. because I didn't, my childhood was fucking dumb and, uh-huh. like, not cool enough or whatever. But it's good in its own way. I mean, it's, well, it's and no listen, it had its fucking challenges. Like, yeah. I was not I was not kicking it, like, SoCal style where, you know, you he, like, there are those kids that, like, their parents are rich as shit. And so they have everything they want. But mm-hmm. it's also a lonely life because exactly. they're in these fucking housing developments. There's nothing going on. But it's like kids like me would like growing up in a trailer and I'm just <laughs> yeah. like, yo, then give me your quote unquote sad life. Ah, I'll fucking gotcha. trade you right now. Um, so yeah. it's this weird. I'm in this horrible fucking purgatory of my shit wasn't that great to brag about it, but it wasn't bad enough to bitch about it. Right. Right. Which is like the worst shit ever. That's that's like where the fuck did my motivation come from? Well, for you, it probably happened later, like in your 20s when you got out of that area. Yeah, that's when you, your bands did better. I mean, I started in bands when I was like 14 and I just don't remember ever in my entire life being more motivated than honestly, like for the band, it was like 14 to like 25. Right. So like 11 solid years of this is the most important thing. Well, so for you, the lack of scene was your, your inspiration. Yeah, true. The lack of that. Yeah. Just the interest right. of like where, cause I've told you before that Portland, Oregon to a kid from Brush Prairie, Washington was like fucking, fucking Broadway. Manhattan. Yeah. I totally, was just like, how do we totally. break into Portland, Oregon? So <laughs> right. for me, it's just, it was kind of like, where, where does this go? I didn't know about gotcha. the Portland music scene when I started. And I, it was for Hillsborough kids too. Like Portland was so big and far away. Yeah. But 
I think Hillsboro has a few things. It's it's big enough that there was a lot of us. Yeah. Right? There, there was a gang of us. And so it had its own scene, own shows that would support each other and a family of bands. And skateboarding was really big, especially the time I grew up in. Um, but with all of that said, it also had the weather that we all know here. Uh-huh. It's fucking yeah, miserable. True. And so you're watching 411 skate videos. You're watching no effects play and you want to be that. But then you go outside and it's 45 and it's pouring rain. I know. It's yeah. dark. So what does everyone do? They start a band. So th- it came a lot from like um, we had no other option, you know, so we, I don't know, it had, its, it, it had a sound too. It's like really, I don't know, kind of like pop rock, not not like jet, like snappy pop rock, but um, I don't know, like we loved Weezer and Super Drag, bands like that. Yeah. And then it got a little bit more uh, darker. Hum Did you guys cool. ever play uh, that bowling alley in All the time. All the time. Four Seasons That guy bowl? Ryan, he used to yeah. work there. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Right here across the hallway. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we used to play all the time. That was one that of like, the That might be how we got play. booked so often. Yeah, I'm sure it was. Because he was also buddies with some buddies of ours in a band called All I Ask. Yeah, I remember and, that. Uh, he would he would book them all the time and I think they asked us out uh, for a show. I think we headlined it sort of. Um, right. And we got like $400. And all we did was play to like 30 people that were annoyed that we were there because they were trying to bowl and just have fun. Right. Um, it wasn't like a proper show, but it was a blast. They had like that floating like drum riser yep. just out on the lane. It was so much fun, man. I so love playing that. There was some really big shows there. Yeah, we loved it. Hellsboro too, you know, in the time I grew up in at least, there was a lot of like, I mean, every suburb probably has this, but there's a lot of like groups of people, like almost gangs, like right. me and my people called us the boys. They yeah. referred to us as the boys. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And that would be like eight or nine of us. Right. And we wouldn't go anywhere without each other. I mean, like literally nowhere without yeah. each other. And we would show up at the same time. And if we all didn't get there, it's saying we'd wait in our car until we got there. Oh, that's And then sick. we'd come in the house party. Dude, like, straight up gang. You, like you'd fuck everything up if you didn't do it that way. <laughs> <laughs> well, dress the same, talk the same, look the same. Dude, that's crazy. We go to house parties... And then just hang out with each other. What anyway. was the cast? It was it was like you, me, Crumit, Stefan. Actually, Crumit and Stefan were like auxiliary. They're oh, like okay. on the side of the boys. Okay. But like uh, me, Andrew. Andrew used to produce a show. Okay, yeah. Josh Northcutt, uh, Dylan Jensen, Joe Rude. Um, oh, so you were closer with Josh before you were with uh, Stefan ye- and Crumit? Yeah, especially before Crumit, because I didn't meet Crumit until eighth grade. Oh, okay. But I knew Stefan and Josh in sixth grade, maybe even a little before. I but, gotcha. Um, me, I met Josh outside my buddy uh, David Soderberg was another one outside uh, like his driveway. Him and David were playing basketball, and I was rollerblading because oh, I had just moved there yeah. from California, so like bleach blonde hair. Yeah, and I just kept passing the driveway, <laughs> trying to get their attention. Yeah, and eventually Josh threw a basketball at me, so that's how I met him. You were just waiting for him to be like, dude, sick blades. You want yeah. a ball? Josh was like my my kid friend. Like we do kid, you know, like skateboarding and like more dude stuff. Yeah. And Stefan was the kid that I could talk to music about. Yeah, yeah. Stefan was like pure music always. He didn't yeah, give yeah. a fuck. He never once touched a skateboard. He didn't care about partying. He didn't care about girls. He didn't care about any of that shit ever. It was just music all day, always. It's so he funny. He would literally walk around Hillsborough with a guitar and a pocket amp. And he Jeez. wore the same thing every day. He was like shitty 
jeans or shitty corduroy pants and like a Nirvana t-shirt or Nine Inch Nails or like Marilyn Manson, something of that nature. This is Stefan you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, I'll show you. And then he'd wear this red and black flannel. Anyone that knows, knows what I'm talking about. He wore that flannel for like five years straight. I mean, I've never like met... Like every day. I've never met a less given a fuck dude than Stefan. He once wore, wore the same pair of red, mis, mismatched red ankle socks for like a month straight. <sighs> It's funny because Disgu- he was disgusting. Like red socks is bad enough. Then they're ankle socks, and you're like Jesus Christ. And then they're mismatched. Yeah, they're not even the same pair. So oh, there's so man. many questions. Yeah, he was just a disgusting little kid that only wanted to play. What band. you're saying is he, he's the Lance Armstrong of terrible fashion. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> he just owns that market. He just owns it, man. Mismatched red Steph, ankle socks. I mean, Stephen was born to produce too. It's all he right. cared about. Dude, I mean, he's, yeah, it's, you meet him and you're just like, yeah, you're doing what you're yeah, supposed so you're, to be you're doing. clearly doing what, yep. all Stefan wants to do is hang out with dudes. Yeah. Do dudely shit, eat pizza. Drink two, drink. two, or uh, a gallon of, uh, he likes the chocolate milk that comes in yeah. like the gallon right. jug. I mean, he, uh, that's pretty much the same kid as when he was 11. Nothing's mm-hmm. really changed. He's just doing it professionally now. My favorite, like, quick anecdote, one of them, uh, with Stefan was we were recording, uh, with him when he, do you remember the band Server X? Fuck yeah, I remember Dude, the band he was Server in, X. He Ron? was in Ron's garage. Dude, Ron yeah. Lyles, you know, he battled cancer. Did he really? Yeah, I think he's still kind of doing it, but he's doing really well now. Anyway. That's awesome. Yeah. I have a fucking hilarious Ron story about Ron specifically, too. Uh, he kind of, he <sighs> taught me what it was like to get fucking uh, taken advantage of, I guess, in the scene. Like, he taught yeah. me to, like, kind of fucking keep my guard up. Ron? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was a good guy that way. Yeah. Uh, it was it was nice of him to teach me that way. Real goofball, but super nice. Uh, anyway, so we're just recording, and, and our bassist Colin is like laying against the wall, and he keeps like playing footsie with this uh, stool that uh, is kind of in front of him, and he's like rocking it back and forth with his foot. Yeah. And on it is a is a gallon jug of just like water. There was one of one of the dudes in our band. It belonged to them. And he's going like this, and I'm talking to Stefan about like the sound we want for the for the drums or whatever. And he's he keeps like he's looking at Colin doing it, but he's he's not looking at me. But he's just going, uh huh, yeah, no, totally, yeah, we could do that. But he's staring at Colin the whole time, and then finally Colin tips it a little too much one way, and it falls. And as it's sliding off the stool. Uh, I'm talking to Stefan and he cuts me off and just goes, yes, yes. And it fucking lands right on Colin. He's like, fuck yeah, I've been waiting for that to happen. <laughs> like he was just watching it, not listening to me and just wanted Colin to get drilled uh, by this thing so bad. Yes. Yeah. That is very Such Steph. a fucking kid. Stefan's also one of those people. Um, I, I don't say this lightly. He's, he's probably the, the smartest person I've ever met. Yeah, I could absolutely um, see that. Mostly just because he has the best memory. Yes, I'm, he does. Dude, like crazy. Yeah, it is. Like, it's uh, weird. Like you Rain see Man. him, Rain some, Man shit. Yeah, yeah. And when he's accessing it, he has a face. Well, because we've all talked about it. I, there. There is something going on there. Whether it's like the, you know, autism spectrum. Yeah, yeah. Or um, what's the other thing called? Uh, um, not Alzheimer's. <laughs> uh, no, like it's more of a social thing. Not Down syndrome. Oh God. Uh, 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 hold on. There's autism, and then there is. Yeah. Autism. What's that called? I don't know. Well, anyway. Yeah, just that you know the type of thing where like he can tell you exactly what happened in 1999. Yeah. You know, on August. 20th. If you ever like see his... It's if, crazy. If while he's talking to you, 
you see his middle finger and his ring finger yeah. just off to the side touching like this. He's accessing, he's accessing a me. portal in his brain. Yep. It's, it's, and if you guys are arguing about something, he's about to win. He's about to smash it. And he was worse <laughs> when he was young. Do I you believe think he's it. intense now. Oh, I mean, man. me and him were just like, I didn't talk to him for a year straight ones. Yeah, yeah. At least. That shit will happen. Yeah, man, that shit will fucking happen. You grew up together like that. Yep. He was an outrageous guy. But yeah, I mean, so that was just how it was, man. It was like the boys were like intensely close to each other. And we all we wanted to do is fuck and party yeah and start shit and just be close and be with each other always and stefan was around that but he he i don't think he understood it as much he was more yeah outside the first day i met chris crummett he would he was wearing an all like pea green suit <laughs> with an f- orange tie orange clown shoes and his hair was dyed orange that was eighth grade what the fuck? And I was like, you're fucking the coolest guy <laughs> ever and also the weirdest. And I want yeah. To with you. Yeah, we had jazz band together. That's how we met. God. He, was, he it, just walks in looking like Les Claypool's son. the craziest shit ever. <laughs> and he was like the coolest kid because he, he was a single kid. He doesn't have any siblings. And his dad was like the only person other than Stefan's dad that had a drum set. But also, in addition to what Stefan's dad had, he had you know, like a full studio. Back then, yeah. it really was probably just like a four track and some microphones, but I remember it as being a full studio. <laughs> but Dude, yeah. how dope on the aging front is Stefan's dad? It's, like, it's insane. It makes no sense. He looks like he's 25. Yeah. Oh, what's up? You're Stefan's brother? Cool. Nice to meet you. He's never drank. Fuck. Stefan's drank more than his dad has, and Stefan never drinks. Yeah, yeah, true. Probably drinks once a year, maybe Jeez. twice a year at the most, and that's a new thing. I mean, he didn't drink all through high school and early 20s. We couldn't get him to do nothing. <laughs> but he would hit party harder than anyone. Yeah. He would, st- like, out, you know, stay everyone five in the morning when everyone's falling over puking. He's still just fucking eating Doritos and talking shit. <laughs> <laughs> There's just no off switch for him. Dude, no, he's got, like, a fucking baboon heart or some shit. Yeah, but that's why he can do what he does. That's why he can sit in the pocket for 12 hours with a band from Utah mm-hmm. who's playing speed metal. Over and over and over and over and over and over. Yeah. You just hang, out hang you. You know, I don't have, I need alone time. I need to get the fuck away from it. Yeah, same. Yeah, I need to recharge. Dude, the introvert in me needs to recharge its battery sometimes. Yeah, dude. Um, you, We got to wrap this thing up. You got to go, man. Yeah, I got a sweet night ahead of me. Can we do a couple currents movie pick and get out of here? Uh, Is yeah. That okay. Yep. All right. Um, well, we were talking about the Jesse Smollett thing. Yeah. Just to recap that, he is getting hit with a 16-count felony indictment by the grand jury. Fuck yeah. So that's going to grand jury, man. Felony shit. So that's uh, that's that. We don't need to go too much Bye, bro. See ya. Um, this is interesting. There is a 3D, the biggest 3D printer ever. Um, actually, do you want to pull it up in your thing? Yeah. Is that easier? Okay. Uh, if people can hear, apparently there's a band playing down here now. Uh, I'm sure you've heard the bass for a while. We try to coordinate it where they're not playing, but there you go. They're playing right now. A 3D printed home can be constructed for under $4,000. It's the largest 3D printer. I guess it doesn't matter. The TV's not working. Oh, yeah. It can be built in less than 24 hours at a cost of only $4,000. Oh, that's the home that this 3D printer yes. made. 
Wow. 3D printers like pumping out concrete in the design that is chosen to do. They can help families living in poverty and unsafe conditions. New Story Housing Charity Organization and Icon, a construction tech company, have partnered together. Their goal is to end global homelessness. Pretty interesting though, right? Yeah, did it that's say... That's crazy. I mean, that's basically it, but yeah. It, it said the price. Did it say like how quickly and like with how many people? Well, it said oh, in less be, than 24 less hours. Less than 24 hours. Jeez. I mean, once the design, you know. Yeah. But uh, that's pretty... I mean, that's... How big do you think that is? About 500 square feet. It's really small. Yeah. Yeah, Maybe yeah. It's a, it's a little better. 600 square feet. Yeah, I'd say, I'd say five. Five, six hundred, yeah. So it's like a big bedroom. Yeah, it's a it's a fucking studio. It's a little studio, but it, you know they put a little awning and a little porch outside. It's fine. It's no frills, but it looks great. It's like what I first lived in, in my early twenties. I mean, yeah, it's, it's doable, man. And it, look, if you're super poor, it's better than the street. Yeah, if you're comparing it to the street, it's a ten, dude. Yeah, and it's it's just I mean think of like all the things that that means, not just for this home and homelessness, but yeah, a printer. Things that I just imagine what they can start doing now. Mm-hmm. It, it's also kind of crazy. Like, is the construction industry in a real, in real trouble coming up here? It's kind of not because I know enough about about it. But right. But I mean, if you you know, fast forward eighty years from now, you would assume that they could do this for a skyscraper. Yeah, yeah, you would think right? so. Arenas, and I mean, why not just prefab all? You know, just print. Print all of the concrete structure out. That's print a good point. I wonder if there are limitations to right, like pound for pound. What what is this up against? Like a traditional structure, like a comparable yeah. structure right next to it that's built the old fashioned way. Well, even yeah, way way crazy. But even like even the way it is now, really big commercial buildings. They a lot of the concrete walls and the columns and stuff like that are prefabbed they're they're poured the concrete's poured in a different location oh okay and they'll they'll deliver them that way and they'll just tilt up the wall or they'll even just pour it on the ground like the wall instead of up it'll be down on the ground they'll mm. pour it all like that let it cure and they'll just lift it up so they can do all of that just out in the corner of a site or yeah. or somewhere else and just ship all this stuff pre-done I mean, it's, it's just crazy how fast this stuff can i know can what a time to be alive I mean, I'm down for this because I got near me. I've got straight homeless camps. I know, and those are an eyesore. And you know, fuck, you, I'd be willing to pay four thousand for these homeless people. Like, I'll buy you a house. Just don't yeah, set yeah. up a tent in front of my front yard. For real, yeah. Um. So there's that, and then I had this is a huge bummer. So uh, warning to people: this is a sad one. A Florida student shoots and kills herself in school auditorium after asking to use the bathroom. That happened today. Wait, she said, can I use the bathroom? Yeah, first thing in the morning. It's 7.30 in the morning. She comes into work, or school rather, and says, hey, I got to go to the bathroom. And then they hear a gunshot. They put the school in lockdown. And they go in the auditorium, and this kid is dead with the gun in her hand. No one was around. There's camera. You know, they checked. It's she did it is there footage of the <sighs> shot i didn't get that far but you know i'm sure there's cameras everywhere in schools today yeah i mean they they made it very clear like we you know the investigation was done and it is apparent suicide or something like that damn i know man 
Imagine being like the parents, like, God. Yeah. This sucks. I mean, you're so young. You don't you don't know any better. You know how fucking dumb I was at that age? Yeah. And like you, your emotions are just not fully developed yet. It's too bad. I know. I sort of felt that way with uh with the recent suicide of uh Brody Stevens. I know. That was a huge bummer as well because it's just Jesus, man. And yeah. I didn't even know him personally. No. Like I I love a lot of comedians that that did know him. Exactly, me too. That's how I just Very remember. well. And it's just I can't imagine being a comedian in the scene and like you know, I remember I checked his Twitter like the moment that I found out that he was dead. I didn't know if it was a hoax or some shit. Yeah. Checked his Twitter and like one day prior he was like, "I'm so excited to do a couple of these festival dates that I have coming up." So right. like he as recently as 24 hours ago is looking forward to his future mm-hmm. and then within 24 hours of that like very positive kind of message he uh no. hangs himself it's just it's so impossible I know. to know i know when it's just enough for somebody to finally go through with it and i think about that too like and you can't talk to him once Chris they're gone Cornell was on mid tour yeah playing arenas and he's filthy rich i mean he's the singer of Soundgarden. yeah and you would think that that would be enough or whatever that means. I know, yeah. I Sometimes know. it just it circumstances just don't matter. It doesn't matter at all. There's a there's a chemical imbalance and you are just unhappy. It just yeah, it's it's a bummer. We me and my friend like Stefan and those dudes, we know a guy named Sean um, that we all knew in high school and then for maybe five or six years after that, I think he was like mid twenties, maybe even late twenties. Anyway, one of the nicest people I've ever met. He was like the guy in, at Century High School in Hillsborough that united everyone. He was kind of like that popular leadership kid that mm-hmm. typically you would hate. Oh, right. Like kind of preppy. And that's actually how I first met him. I used to fucking talk shit to him. <laughs> and then he literally sat down with me because me and my, my friends, the boys, would fucking, we had nothing to do with that world. And he, he was like a uniter, you know, he would unite like us with little, the Mexican Vato kids who picked sh- fights with us and all yeah. my punk rock friends. And like, he was the nicest guy ever. And then he became more of our friend and would like go to parties with us and stuff. And uh, yeah, he killed himself. Oh man. Like five, uh, more than five years ago. It was a while ago now. Jeez. He jumped off the fucking Goose Hollow Bridge. You know, they call it the Suicide Bridge. Oh, right. But now they have big fences on it. Wow. Yeah, I did it like three in the morning or something. Sometimes I think about how I would do it if I felt like I was going to do it. I know. Which I never really have, but I feel like... I'm sure everyone's kind of thought about it. How is like, uh, how are pills not the way to do it? Like, isn't that... I mean, that's totally how like a 1950s housewife would do it. how unsuccessful it is. Though. Really? Yeah. Because I mean, how do you know? I mean, you'd have to go so above... Right, if 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 yeah. ten Vicodin is a dangerous level, you have to take a thousand. Yeah, because if you take a hundred, you right, and surprisingly like, could live through it. Yeah, and then now now not only are you sick as shit in the hospital, but your liver's fucked up. Yeah, like not you, you know what I mean? Yeah, people true. shoot themselves in the face, and they do it wrong, and now they blow their fucking cheek off. But like fentanyl. Fentanyl, that'll do it. You get some fentanyl, and that's probably like a fun bye-bye too, like a good feeling, right, you know, because it's a yeah, yeah. I just feel like that's the. But here's the thing: <sighs> most people that do it aren't thinking rationally. No, 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 no. You know, they certainly aren't. No, they're not. No, they are not. 
And they typically, you know, ugh. it's not so much about feeling good as about ending the feelings of feeling bad. Like that's, it's so much more jumping off this bridge or jumping in front of this train mm-hmm. would be better than what I'm feeling right now. I think is typically where they come from. So it's for me to even go at it as like a, what would be the most comfortable way to go out? That's not really yeah. what they're thinking. They're just like, holy shit, end the shit that I'm feeling right now. I think I always, like, this is really sad, and then we can move on because it's so goddamn sad, but you think about, like, how how bad it really has to be in that yeah. moment. Like, I've been really bad, like, rock bottom in my life before. Everyone's gone there, but you ha- that's nothing, like, compared to how sad and hopeless you have to actually get yeah to do that and that that alone is so such a bummer that you're in that feeling right before you go yeah well your last kind of and you have to imagine that there's that quick little because we all know that we could just go talk to somebody to feel better but then i think that a lot of people in that situation it's they shoot it down themselves with like no one wants to hear from me or Mm -hmm. like i don't you know i'll be a bother or something yeah it's so tough. What do you? What is up with this pop up yeah. right here? I'm getting it says chick me. It's like a fucking. Oh, what is that? Like a porny thing or? I, I thought it was porn, but it's like female clothing. Why would oh, I get that pop up? It's just super aggressively sexy for yeah the clothing thing. I don't think any of that would look good on me. Um, let's do a movie pick, then we'll let let you go. Yeah, you got good call. To do, man. It's already later now. I can't believe I it's this know. late. It doesn't oh, make God. any sense. Okay, we'll do this quick. All right, so. Uh, we talked about her before, and Aubrey Plaza. I love her, dude. Did you ever end up watching that movie? Uh, the no, man, I can't find it. Something goes west. What's her name? I tried to pirate it, and I couldn't find Ingrid it. Ingrid goes west. Yes. Oh, really? Yeah. Couldn't find it. So weird. Fuck. Well, I'll try to find it and send it to you. Okay. That's a great one. Um, this is with Lake Bell. That ah, uh, that's love. the one. That's who I was thinking actually. Yeah. Because so we discussed this movie, and then I watched it two nights ago. Yeah. Because I've seen it before. It's called In a World. If you just do In a World trailer on YouTube, you'll, you'll find it there. And I didn't, I either didn't know this or I forgot, but Lake Bell wrote and directed this movie. Oh, dang. It, dude, it's so good, Alan. You'd love it. It's super funny. Like, All right. It's just funny and well done. That's There's so a lot good. of people in it. You're like, oh, that guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Rob Corddry is in it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> In a world. Hey, make sure your phone's turned off. I think we're getting some feedback out here. Oh. I'm the dude from Parks and Rec. All right. uh, Ready, ready. This Wednesday, one woman will teach another woman. I just woke up, so my voice is cold. Let's face it. The industry does not crave a female sound. Yeah, Dad, you may be painfully aware of that my whole life. Not being sexist, that's just the truth. You should stick with the accents. That's what you're good at. What was that great, that Russian Star Wars thing you used to do as a kid? Yeah, I know the one you're talking about. Please, let me hear. These are not the droids you're looking for. (laughs) I just love that. It's so random. I've been working. The vocal coaching, right? I don't care. Eva, could you just put the cork back in your mouth and work on those vowels? Thank you. I might be the voice of Sunny Delight. Sunny D. Next up, lemon drop shots on me. I'll see you. I'll uh, see you tonight then. All right. Okay. I know she hung up already. 
Is that obvious? I lost it to a broad? Are you kidding me? Nowadays, they're flying planes, they're taking jobs. That's just the reality. Welcome to today's world. Let's give the voiceover industry something to talk about here. What do you say? Sorry, I got carried away there. The great big epic coming down the pike. The Amazon Games. It's about these fierce, mutated female Amazonian warriors battling clone prehistoric cavemen hybrids. It's all based on the Prussian War. And everybody's in a huff, I guess. They're reinstating the hokey in a world gimmick. In a world. Your dad is so hot. My, 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 my. Ugh. Jim, Jimmy. Nope, stupid slapper. This Wednesday, one woman will teach another woman to sound a little less. Can I get a smoothie around here? I don't know where you'd get a smoothie around here at all. I'm so oh, sorry. Okay, thanks so much. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> In a world. In a world. In a world. Well, cannot wait to see that movie. There it is, people. That's pretty sick. Yeah, it's a great movie. Just a solid indie movie. Yeah. Good laughs all the way through. Yeah, dude, you're not fucking around about that cast. Right? That shit's nuts. I know. Yeah, it's a... Fucking Nathan Filon or whatever, and uh, Ron Swanson. Yeah. Fucking... Crazy. Yeah. Did you ever see the show Party Down? It's a series. I watched, like, the first half of the first season, because I like Adam whatever the fuck. Yeah, yeah. That main dude. something, yeah. Yeah, um, it, it was good. It's not like amazing, but yeah, nice little comedy, dude. Let's uh, get you out of here. I mean, you got enough work to do. Yeah, I got to pee and then I got to jet. Alan is nice enough. He he usually works uh, yesterday, which was Tuesday. Yeah, and uh, apparently Gmail was down worldwide, so globally down. And I needed yeah, I needed some shit from a client, and I couldn't download it. And yep. my entire night was open for design and couldn't do it. And then I, that's the thing with having a schedule that's just fucking watertight. I know. Like if shit doesn't go right Tuesday. Right. I can rarely just make up for it on Wednesday's podcast. Right. It's fucked. Monday's band practice. Well, that's what you want ultimately. It's a good thing. Yeah, for sure. It's it's better for me to stay, stay busy. So, um, well have fun in Los Angeles. You're going there for work. Is there anything you can talk about? Tell people about, you told me some crazy shit earlier today. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I can talk about any of that, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, BMG Global, our, our parent company with Rise. Um, all the offices are coming out. There's like a little town hall. We're going to, I think, kind of get ready for this year, get some info on. It's just a good chance for a lot of us to interface. These are, yeah. it's just a bunch of people I email with every day. So now I can put a face to the name. Would Rise ever go down in Los Angeles permanently? They wouldn't really need to. Right? I don't know. Yeah, part of me thinks that if they did that, that it would be more of an absorption of the label. It almost hurt them. Yeah, yeah. It would be like, why move everybody up? We'll just have BMG LA handle shit internally. Mm-hmm. But I'm also, I'm the wrong guy to ask. I'm too stupid to know, like, sure. I, I got no fucking idea how, what the best way for that shit to go down would be. But hopefully right. that doesn't happen because I ain't fucking going. Yeah. So. I hear you. All right, dude. Well, thanks for doing the show tonight because I know you're busy. Yeah. No, um, dude, no problem. It's a commitment. The usual that we say every week is if you found any value in this, you found yourself laughing or, or picking your nose during the show, just tell one person. You know, we, we encourage you to like and subscribe and all the usual shit people say. Yeah, absolutely. But if you don't want to do that, just tell one person, one person about the show, and we would be greatly appreciated. Yeah, it helps a ton. Absolutely. All right, we'll be here uh, next week. Um, and for more of good good old times. We hope everyone's doing well and thanks for the support and we'll see you next time. Later. Bye. Bye.
Put my head 